Guys, welcome back. Episode 2 of the After Action Review. You guys know me. I'm Nick Guy, the world's most okayest Green Beret. Guys, I know we talked about how this was going to be kind of a dive into foreign policy, things like that. But we're kind of be we're going to be uh, we're going to be skirting around the peripheral of it uh, because it was a big news day. Obviously, Trump granting clemency to three service members, and everybody has an opinion on this. We're going to be going in a little bit, try to break down what happened, uh, what brought these uh, three gentlemen into a little bit of legal trouble, and a few thoughts that I have. We're going to try to keep this a little shorter, too. An hour is a long time to listen to me rant and rave on. So we'll try to keep this a little shorter. Hopefully you walk away with at least a different perspective. I'm not expecting you guys to learn anything. I'm really not. But if I can at least get you thinking in a different direction that you were, I'm counting it as a success. So without further ado, Trump... He granted clemency to Eddie Gallagher, Matt Goldstein, and Clint Lawrence. If you guys see me flipping, I took your notes from the first episode. A lot of you guys thought that maybe it was a bit scrambled and rambling. So I try to organize my thoughts. So if you guys see me flipping and hearing pages, that's what that is. So three service members, Eddie Gallagher, Matt Goldstein, and... Clint Lawrence. We're just going to go right down the list and kind of go over what each case entailed. First up, Eddie Gallagher, United States Navy SEAL. Uh, he had been charged with murdering an enemy prisoner of war. Uh, story goes, it's an injured teenage ISIS fighter in the Battle of Mosul in northern Iraq. And... The original story was that he plunged a hunting knife into the enemy combatant uh, who was being treated by another medic on the team. The trial had a shocking moment when another teammate of his, who had already been granted immunity, confessed to the murder. Uh, long story short, Eddie Gallagher was charged with posing with a corpse and texting that photo out to a buddy of his. And Trump decided that that charge wasn't egregious enough for the reduction in rank and the four months in prison, which, by the way, uh, he didn't serve an additional day after he was convicted uh, the, the four months was considered time served while he was awaiting trial. But this Eddie Gallagher thing is kind of, there were really two hard lines. It was either he was guilty of murder or he was completely innocent. There weren't many people who were like, oh, you know, you know, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. No, it was the hard and fast lines were drawn in the sand over this case. And, you know, there was a lot of publicity over it. There were some weird things going on in the trial. I mean, some of his teammates had claimed that he killed 240 people in during an 80-day deployment. Like, it's just, it's, the, the whole story was weird from, from the get-go. 
I mean, you know, I know I like to rag on seals every now and then, but like, like one just plunging a hunting knife into a, a wounded enemy combatant in front of other people just seems strange and far-fetched. But however you think the case played out, it doesn't matter. Uh, he was he was found not guilty of the murder because somebody else confessed to it, and uh, but he was you know found guilty of posing with the corpse, and that's kind of his fault. If you're gonna take a photo of you posing with the corpse. I don't know what you expect out of that, but the Eddie Gallagher case is pretty cut and dry. Uh, the corpse thing, yeah, unsettling, sure. Does it make your skin crawl a little bit? Probably, but you know, it's not really a war crime. So that was kind of the 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 least egregious in some people's minds over today's uh, three pardonings. Second, this one is a little bit of a doozy. Matt Goldstein, he's a major with the United States Army Special Forces, and he was in Afghanistan in 2010. And the story goes, in 2010, they were running a couple of sources who were identifying bomb makers and, and things like that, Taliban fighters. And they ID'd who they believed was a... A Taliban bomb maker, uh, a village elder had identified him. Due to the restrictions that the Afghan National Army had implemented in that particular theater of operations, they couldn't hold him, so he was released. Well, this was coming right off a string of IEDs that had killed a bunch of Marines that uh, Matt Goldstein was embedded with. So the story goes, excuse me, the source that he was running had feared for his life because he had figured him as a bomb maker. So Goldstein goes and they lay in an ambush at a known IED producing house in the village that, that they were operating in. And when they saw that alleged bomb maker who they were forced to release approach the building that was known to build IEDs, they killed him. Okay, so it didn't come out. It, like, that that didn't come out after the deployment. Uh, you know, the deployment ended up, he, he was awarded a Silver Star for his actions during that deployment, and there was even talk of upgrading that Silver Star to a Distinguished Service Cross, which is the highest award in the Army, and the second highest in the military behind the Medal of Honor. This story came out when he was interviewing for a job at the Central Intelligence Agency, and an in the interviewer had asked him the question if he had ever killed an unarmed person, and he had told this story. Well, alarm bells went off, it went back to the Army, and the Army convened a board of inquiry. This board of inquiry found him not guilty of any law of armed conflict or LOAC violations. Pretty cut and dry. What they did find him guilty of was conduct unbecoming of an officer. Okay. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not an officer. I don't know exactly what that entails. 
I know it means that you had behaved poorly, not to the point of committing a war crime, but you had behaved poorly. Now, again, the Board of Inquiry is an official investigation in the Army. They looked into all the evidence. They heard all the eyewitness accounts. They made the decision. The law, the law of armed conflict is a set of hard and fast rules, and they determined that he had not violated them. Well, this became a political firestorm. Everybody wanted in on this. The, the Secretary of the Army was in on this. Secretary of the Army got involved, and he pulled the Silver Star from Goldstein and pulled his tab, his long tab, the tab on your shoulder that says Special Force. And that's a huge deal in, in our community. Like, having your tab revoked is a huge deal. But it got politicized. It was all over the news. And he was charged with murder. Now, the trial didn't go anywhere immediately. In fact, he had even waived his Article 32 rights, which is the Article 32 is basically the grand jury under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And it it's a convening body that weighs the strength of the evidence in a case. And they determine if, if the evidence presented is strong enough to go to trial. At this point, it had been a couple of years. There was no progress. He was out of the Army. He didn't really have anything going on in his life. So he waived those Article 32 rights to hurry up the process to a trial. Now, this case gets even more muddied because the Army Criminal Investigation Division agent or Army CID agent who was investigating this he was found to be falsifying awards and promotion packets in his own career, which cast doubt on the validity of any evidence that he had accumulated. That's a val it's a valid defense. It, it happens in you know civilian law all the time, you know, prosecutorial misconduct, things like that. Again, I'm not an attorney. But it casts a, a lot of doubt on the case and what was being presented and how it was being presented. And his defense team had constantly brought up the fact that a board of inquiry had found him not guilty of LOAC violations. And if he was being charged with murder, murder is a LOAC violation. I don't personally know why Goldstein was being charged with murder. Like I said, the, the board of inquiry was convened to determine that very thing. They found him not guilty. It still got drawn out. Why? I don't know. Um, I don't know if there were politics in play or, or what. Goldstein, though, you know what? It, like, it's his own fault, though. Like, he, admit, he admitted to it. And then instead of just letting it die, like, when this came out, like, he went on Fox News and tried to tell his side of the story, which just further fueled flames, and it turned this case into a public spectacle. Right, wrong, I'm indifferent. It wasn't me. I never laid an ambush in on a suspected bomb maker, but, you know, you also have to take into consideration the... 
the situation on the ground. Uh, they were coming off of like four or five Marines who had been killed by IEDs in the, in the previous week. They were fired up. This happened. Again, Goldstein, I, I think, I don't think that it was as, uh, as, I, there's a lot of people. I know I'm rambling. There's a lot of people online. There's Green Berets or active duty army officers that are really fired up about the Goldstein thing. Me personally, I don't see it. If, if they want to talk about how Trump granting clemency to these three guys cheapens the uniform code of military justice and totally cuts the legs out from beneath the DOD and it's going to just embolden people to commit war crimes. I, you know, he, he underwent that process with the board of inquiry. That's part of the military justice system. And if they said not guilty, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. So, again, I don't see the whole, the, the Gallagher thing, yeah, distasteful, sure. Is it worth four months in prison? Probably. Did he serve those four months? Yes. Is it totally within the purview of the commander-in-chief to reinstate somebody to their previous rank? Also, yes. Goldstein, he had the, the board of inquiry on his side. The, the people investigating him turned out to be dirty themselves. If anything, you could you could chalk it up as a as a TKO, a, a technical knockout. Uh, he didn't actually beat the charges, but the situation surrounding the trial, the waters were muddied. All right, and finally, that brings us to Clint Lawrence. Now, this one is a bit more difficult to break down. So, Clint Lawrence is a first lieutenant, and he's an infantry officer. And he and his platoon are in Afghanistan, and they're in this grape field. And when they're in this grape field, they call out a potential contact. It was 600 meters away, his platoon had testified. The, it, was, it was three men on motorcycles, 600 meters away. And the Army alleges that Lawrence gave the order to open fire on the military-aged males on the motorcycles turns out they weren't armed okay so he was charged with second degree murder uh of the two military age males on the bikes that were killed one was not killed the defense argued that during the during the trial that certain evidence was suppressed they were trying to bring to light the fact that after the after the engagement they ran biometrics, and the two that were killed uh, came up on the biometrics as being affiliated with terror organizations. They also argued that a second piece of key evidence had been suppressed, and it was that the Afghan National Army was the first to engage the individuals on the bike, and it wasn't the Americans. Now, should be noted, nine members of his platoon testified against Lawrence and they said that he had given the order. Lawrence took full responsibility for the actions of his platoon, uh, but his defense team was adamant that this potentially critical evidence was suppressed. Regardless, he was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to 20 years at the 
Penitentiary at Fort Leavenworth. A second review by the commander of the 82nd Airborne had found that uh, the, the, the charge should be upheld. However, he did cut a year off the sentence because of the delay in the trial. All right, this one's a little more difficult. It's always fascinating to see men testify against their leadership in, in instances like this. I'm going to play devil's advocate real quick here. And I'm not taking one side or another, just a hypothetical devil's advocate. Back in Vietnam, officers that were unliked could have been potentially killed by their own men. It's called being fragged or fragging. Now, nowadays that you can't really hide that like you did in the past. It is completely possible that this platoon did not respect Lawrence, that they did not like him, and that they were trying to, you know, in a way, frag him. That is possible. The suppression of the evidence, I don't know the strength of the evidence, but, you know, the idea behind a trial is to put out all facts, all potential explanations, and then let the merit of each of those facts be weighed by members of a jury. So if they're suppressing evidence, I don't know what on what grounds it was suppressed. Again, I'm not sitting here as a legal expert, but does call into question. Now, Trump granting clemency to Lawrence is interesting because there was just a documentary series produced on Clint Lawrence called Leavenworth. Uh, I saw the first two episodes, but I just found out about it, so I didn't get a chance to do a deep dive. It was fascinating. His defense attorney is, we'll say, we'll say that his defense attorney is politically active, and he could be politically motivated, and so that is also a possibility. Now, with the whole Clint Lawrence thing, personally, I think if you have nine members of your platoon testifying against you, that's not a good look. The optics alone are awful. Um, but at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, the president of the United States is the commander in chief and under the uniform code of military justice, the commander in chief is the final and supreme authority on the administration of military law. So right, wrong or indifferent, it's well within Trump's purview to grant clemency. The other thing that I found fascinating today is that a lot of the people who are completely up in arms over the three pardons are the same people who applauded and cheered the previous administration's decision to not only trade five Taliban commanders for Bo Bergdahl, but there was there were no there was no legal action leveled against Bergdahl. There was none. In fact, he was promoted because evidently while he was gone, he was he was eligible for promotion from E4 to E5. So the double standard is a little unsettling to me. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Now there are 
some, there are a select few people who were against Bergdahl not being prosecuted for providing aid and comfort to the enemy, which is a, God, I, I don't want to rank crimes because war crimes are bad. Like if, if they're bad, especially with the whole Clint Lawrence thing with Goldstein and, and Gallagher, I'm, 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 I'm of the opinion that what they did probably didn't rise to the level of war crime. You know, when you take a look at war crimes throughout history, they are brutal and barbaric and awful. And what they did probably didn't rise to that level. Lawrence, again, I, I don't know. I still don't know. But at the end of the day, Bo Bergdahl provided aid and comfort to the enemy, which is, it goes against everything in the DNA of the American fighting man. Everything. And and to just be totally immune from any sort of prosecution, I think is is in and of itself a miscarriage of justice. So, like I said, there are some people who were upset with that and upset with these pardons. And to that, I say thank you for being consistent. However, the, the people who are Screaming the loudest today over these this clem- these clemencies, the loudest voices either were mum during the Bergdahl fiasco or they were actively supporting the decision of the previous administration. That sort of double standard shows a weak personal constitution, but nobody's calling them out on it. But that's politics. So... There are, there are legitimate gripes over this recent decision, but I think at the end of the day, at the end, yeah, you know what? Not, I think, I know. At the end of the day, all of this outrage, I think, the majority of that outrage, okay, outside the military circles, I'm, I'm going to give people in the military who are upset a pass because they have, they have skin in the game. But of all the pundits, of all the journalists who are just spewing their outrage online and in their articles and on in papers and on television. It's manufactured outrage because they just cannot stand the current president. And like I said, there's there are legitimate gripes, but it, but they're not the ones who should be saying anything because they had they were derelict in their duty as journalists and pundits during the last the last time we were facing a, an, an issue like this. So that's, you know, that's that's the big news of the day, guys. I'm going to keep this short. We're going to keep things a little shorter here. Um, I think the shows, when we have guests on, will probably be a little longer. But just for my initial thoughts, I think we're going to keep them uh, to a bit more of a reasonable length. So... Thanks, guys, for tuning in. As always, I had fun. Hopefully, you guys at least, I, I hope I at least got the, the, the juices flowing up and up in the old noggin. That's, that's all I hope. Just if you think of one thing, one, you know, if you, if you had thoughts on something, but, oh, okay, maybe, or I didn't know that about this story, then, I'm, you know, chalk it up as a win. 
Thanks for stopping by, guys. Whoa, before I forget, before I forget, next weekend, huge, huge interview. I have secured an interview, and you're probably thinking, Nick, how do you secure an interview? Nobody watches this or nobody listens to this, and you're absolutely right. Like the To the 14 people who will watch this, thank you. But I did this for you. I went out, John McAfee, John McAfee, the creator of McAfee antivirus software and the founder of the company who may have killed his neighbor and then fled the country has one of the most interesting social media presences, presences, one of the most interesting social media personas in the game. He has likened himself to some modern day swashbuckling, pot smoking, class three firearm shooting Robin Hood, maybe? Like, he's not giving his money away. The guy's got more money than God. He's like just living off in the Caribbean, surrounded, and he surrounds himself with like these girls and cocaine and. Like I said, illegal firearms. Like it's, it's going to be awesome. But we're going to be talking to him. He has become like this unofficial mascot of the Boogaloo. And if you guys don't know what the Boogaloo is, it's it, it, it started off as, as legitimate gripes. Oh, we, you know, we got to defend our rights against the government, which I'm all for. But it's kind of morphed into this meme of just this general, you know, preparedness of what happens like if the government you know turns on us or if society falls and a lot of military members kind of take that meme and run with it because well they'd probably be the best equipped to thrive in a situation like that but he's become like this he's become this mascot for the boogaloo just because he has this total contempt for the federal government and he loves guns and he's just out of his mind so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about guns. It's it's going to be a show that you guys don't want to miss. But uh, before then, we'll definitely try to get at least one or two shows in while I do the this shortened format. Uh, hopefully you guys had fun, and thanks for listening. <laughs>